The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. On today's episode of The Patient's Perspective, I'm talking about my own privilege and how it gave me an advantage to be able to advance through the healthcare system. Hi, everyone. So I mentioned in a previous podcast, or maybe even several, I'm not really sure, um, about that word privilege. And as a white woman living in North America, I can tell you that I have had privilege due to being white and due to coming from a family background of um, moderate wealth, not extreme wealth, but moderate wealth. My parents both actually grew up very poor. My mom um, remembers her house being like only like one or two rooms. And I think, well, apartments, like they lived in like these apartment complexes. My, um, uh, My grandmother had to work even when most women back in those days didn't. And it was because of I believe inconsistent finances. Um, believe it or not, my grandfather, who I never met because he passed away before I was able to meet him, he had a traveling radio show, which is highly ironic now that his granddaughter has a podcast. And it may be why I seem to have a knack for it. Um, but they didn't have a lot of money. And then at one point in time, I can't remember how old my mom was when he passed away. Um, but he did pass away in, I believe in his fifties, he was very young, but he, he was a smoker. Um, but he also had a lot of health ailments and it's quite interesting because, um, my grandmother came from Czechoslovakia and we've actually have found a lot of family members back in Czechoslovakia my parents went to go visit this little town called Lipo 
and they were able to um, because of the um, the Nazis in Germany there was records that were kept and so we were actually able to trace back possible autoimmune conditions all the way back to like great great grandmothers uh, with like cirrhosis right so my mom's dad was came from Austria now, this isn't what we only are. We actually have done genetic testing and have found out that the only one that was really um, basically almost pure European was my mom's. Um, that like, like, yeah, my mom came back um, almost like 98% or something or 80 something percent uh, European. And my dad came back a dog's breakfast. So there's... <laughs> Lots of stuff in there that nobody knew about. My um, grandmother on my dad's side was my his mom was actually shocked when she found out that there wasn't a lick of Scottish in us. It was actually Irish. Um, she had bragged to everybody about her Scottish background, even though she, well, I mean Scottish and Irish, you know, come from fairly the same area. And she had flaming red hair, and uh, genetic testing showed we had zero Scottish we were Irish. My dad's 50% Irish almost. And then uh, on his father's side, it came back um, just a mangled mess. Um, we weren't as French uh, from France, French as we thought we were. Um, but yeah, so my, my, that grandpa was Austrian, came from Austria. And he died, I believe in his fifties. And so that's why I never met him. But he had complained all throughout my his life. And that's why I think he might have maybe struggled with work. He couldn't handle stress, believe it or not. My mom said very much like myself. He just couldn't. Um, he couldn't do it. It would like break him. So um, My parents had to work their way to their wealth. My mom is, like I said, is a what got her, you know, biology degrees and and uh, was a teacher. And my dad is a criminologist and also read group homes and actually is now an author. Right, he wrote a book. Uh, he taught uh, human relations. And they scraped every penny. My mom said she remembered scraping her lipstick right out of the tube with like a, a toothpick to just to save money. So my parents taught me a lot about saving money. And that's just how we were raised. They always made us with our allowance. We were always supposed to put 50% away towards savings, which is actually how I um, paid off my first vehicle. I have never had a loan on a vehicle in my life. So my parents, when they became wealthier, were not frivolous spenders. You know, we traveled by motor home, we traveled by camper van, we were not hotel people, uh, even though they probably could afford it. We never went to Hawaii. Um, 
And I think I've spoken before about the fact that when I was younger, I went for from grade four to grade uh, seven. I went to private school. And I'm not going to get into that experience right now. I may have mentioned before that it was actually, I believe it was the turning point of what potentially could have triggered my autoimmune condition because it was a horrific, horrific experience. And I'm not just saying this as a um, an adult. Um, you had to get picked up by a bus driver. And I've even have run into that bus driver decades later and she confirmed that it was absolutely awful and she tried to do things behind the scenes and nothing was done. So that's a whole other situation. And that's a whole other podcast when you talk about the brutality of bullying. And it was really weird because I hadn't experienced it before. I've even, you know, just recently found some of my um, old report cards. And there is a very clear drop off from when I got my period when I was in that school. And uh, I found my report cards from the public system before I went to that school and it was almost complete opposites. You know, lots of friends. It literally says that I was one of the favorites in class of everybody. I had lots of friends. I loved that place. And due to the pressures, and this is what I'm talking about for persons nowadays, due to the pressures of academia, you know, getting your kids into the best academic school, and you have to realize sometimes I may not say these words properly. Remember, I'm deaf and I partially have not heard these words properly. Um, so I apologize if I'm not saying a lot of these words correctly. But that's actually due to a hearing issue. And we didn't give them other than the tuition and paying for uniforms and paying for, um, you know, maybe the odd um fundraiser my parents were not wealthy enough to um, give them large donations so if it was in between a battle in between our family versus one of the other families which didn't happen to me but it happened with my sister where they went to the headmaster etc um we of course never would win because we weren't the ones paying their wage so you can start to see where my history really comes into what I've dedicated my life to. That is one of the reasons, you know, I told somebody, I know I'm smart enough to go and get my psych degree, but I never wanted to do it because I never, ever want to be underneath a fucking college. Tell me what I can and cannot talk about. I would do the schooling up until the last final exam, and then I'd fucking purposely not take it or bomb it. Just so I didn't, I would have the education, but I wouldn't be held to the same standards as everybody else that's under the college. Because once you're in there, once you're under it, they fucking got you. Everything you worked for is now in the college's hands. So anyways, that is my background. I 
my dad ran a group home and I would hang out with the poorest kids and then I would go to school with some of the, you know, Alberta's richest. And that was quite an eye opener. And I, I remember regretting. I didn't want to go in the first place. And I remember my first day and I did it to please my parents. And you have to take a test and an interview to get in there. And I even tried to bomb the interview. I, I remember I, I, I can, if you brought me to that school, I could tell you where the fucking interview room was. And I sat in the room and I literally purposefully told them that I hated reading. So I was hoping that that would be enough for them not to let me in. <laughs> and it didn't. I remember when my mom told me I got accepted and my sister was excited. My dad was excited and my mom was excited. And I was so, so heartbroken. But I did it because my parents were running into a rock and a hard spot in terms of um, childcare. So in their minds, you get a good education on top of it. The bus took an hour, hour and a half to get you home. So then there was enough time for her to be at the house. So it killed two birds with one stone. And I felt pressure from that. And I went, and that is the biggest mistake of my life. And we can actually uh, now trace that back looking at the report cards. So because of them and their money, that is probably one of the single most biggest reasons why I am still alive. And here's why. Number one, I'm in North America. A hospital was always 20 minutes away. Now I have one that's just literally six minutes away. So when my disorder was getting life-threatening to where I needed intravenous IV, you know, it wasn't that far away to get to it, where if I had lived in any other country, Africa, etc., cetera, um, non-white, poor, the chances that I, with the same disorder, just those changes, the chances that I would be sitting here right now is slim to none. Privilege allowed me to continuously go in for intravenous IV to save my life. We often like to pat ourselves on the back and give ourselves a, a, you know, say it's all us. But the truth is, if you don't have your health, especially if it affects your mental health or your mental clarity, you don't have a lot. And people compare persons like um, Stephen Hawking's and and uh, um, other persons in wheelchairs or visible disabilities, and they say, "Well, that person made it. If that person make it, you can make it too." Okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Number one, there are so people that are people out there that are so abnormally smart, such as Stephen Hawking's, 
we can't even fathom to fucking understand them. I'm a pretty sharp cookie, and I know I am. Maybe not, again, academic-wise, and part of that now we have to question on if that's because my period hit the first year I was in that private school in and around the first year or so. So to other persons who are, you know, within normal intelligence or slightly above or even slightly below, um, if they're in a wheelchair, it again depends on how they go into the wheelchair. There are genetic conditions, there are car accidents. You cannot compare the two. There's differences between physical abilities versus mental and versus what we call brain fog, which everyone now has heard about because of uh, long haul COVID. Immunological conditions can cause a person to get continuous infections that are actually spreadable to other people. So you cannot compare that person's situation to a person who had a car accident, God forbid, no longer can walk anymore. But other than that, they are their immune system works perfectly. Once they're in a wheelchair, once they find a job that can work around that, they're probably going to be okay. In that aspect, we're not saying their entire life. I'm not saying being in a wheelchair after a car accident is easy. It's fucking not. That has its own issues. But in terms of comparing it with persons who are walking and who look mobile to other people or who are mobile, healthy persons often, and, and these are rich people, these are, are non-rich people, and these are even poor people. I've seen poor people that will say, oh, well, you know, I just worked hard and I got to school and now I'm in the upper middle class. That's good for you. Good for you. I used to get chronic staph infections and strep infections. We're talking monthly. Shingles broke out at least three times, we think. How the hell do I work at a restaurant? Do you want me serving you tables? Do you want me serving you tables or serving tables when I... Um, uh, had hemophilus influenza, which can is what used to cause uh, bacterial meningitis in children. They found that in me at one point in time. It went through my eyes and it went through my throat and my nose. Do you want me to go to work? See, most persons only have to handle infections maybe once, twice a year that they might need antibiotics for. There are some of us that needed it way more than that. And how the fuck do we work? Working remotely through your computer wasn't really a thing then. And because I didn't have a diagnosis where I live, you need one if you are going to get any sort of uh, financial support from the government. So you can live in Canada and wind up on the street because of the way that the benefit situation is set up. 
Now, we haven't gotten too much into this yet because we've recorded the podcast, but we haven't dropped it yet. Um, but Candace and I go into this a little bit more with a uh, professor. And we're going to talk about this idea that everything is just paid for in Canada through other people's taxes, right? Let's talk about that right now. Using from my own, um, and, and again, people will say, oh, well, that's yours, it's just rare. No, 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 no. Nope, sorry. I can bring on elderly people. I could interview other persons with other health conditions, such as Susie, such as Candace. It doesn't seem to matter what condition you have. There seems to be extra added costs that the public, the healthy public, is not aware of. So it's bullshit to think that all these people are on these systems because they're trying to screw the government. If you actually realized how it worked, you wouldn't fucking say that. So... Let's say you're on H. I wasn't, but let's say I was, couldn't work as much as I, you know, my what I would have liked to. But let's say you're on H, which is I think you get like around two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars at the most a month. I don't even think it's three thousand dollars. And I can tell you right now, running my house, my little tiny house here, cost me at least four to five. Now I have kids, but I need at least four to five thousand a month just to basics so they're living half under the poverty or half of what most people require to to live let's say well yeah i'm just gonna use my i'm gonna use my own let's say i'm on public assistance which i'm not but let's say that i am And I go to my dentist, I have a cavity. And this actually happened, by the way. Because I was born premature, I have something that's called a high palate, which means my shape of my mouth, inside of my mouth and the roof of my mouth, et cetera, from what I can remember is actually a little bit more narrower than other persons. So, I go get, and this is my first, or sorry, my second cavity. I have one wisdom tooth that has a cavity that's actually getting pulled in January. So they go and get this second cavity in my life. I'm in my mid-30s. And I'm at the regular dentist. So you say, okay, well, you have that, you have that government card, right? In Alberta, we have something called Alberta Works. And they give you a card which helps you cover some of your expenses. So you go in with that card, right? Just like real insurance, I think only 
you know, um, sometimes it's fully covered and sometimes it's not just like real insurance. It's, you know, you get maybe once a year or something like that. So I go in, she can't get to the root because of the shape of my face, which by the way, different shapes of faces being misaligned, et cetera, et cetera. That's actually more common in persons that have birth defects or genetic conditions. So it's actually found more often in the disabled category. These are the very people that can't afford to pay for a dent dental specialist because there's dentists and then there's a dentist specialist, basically it's like higher than that. I forget what they're called. So remember, people with most more different shaped faces are the least who can, they, they can least afford to pay for this out of pocket. So she can't get to the root. We have to fix this tooth. So I have to go to the specialist. I walk in there thinking I'm just going to show my Alberta works card and that at least a chunk of it's going to be covered. Guess what they say to me? We don't take that. Are you fucking kidding me? I think it was in between two to $5,000 if I remember. This was a few years ago. I'd like to find the bill now. I know it was probably around $2,000. Now, I was lucky because I think I had a little bit of Blue Cross, but I can't remember if it covered it or not. And that one you have to submit afterwards, I think, which is like a crappy insurance, you know, the plan that I got. But I'll never get rid of it because I got it before anyone found out what I had. I got it when I was 18 years old and somebody actually told me you never, ever, ever cut this one off because you can use it in conjunction with the Alberta Works one. I do remember having to pay around $2,000 at least, I think, out of pocket to fix that tooth. That, if I had been on Alberta Works or Aish, that would have literally taken an entire month of money. So let's get off our high horse thinking that everything's fucking paid for. It's not. And anyone that thinks that is, you need a lesson in real life. On top of it, and I've spoken about this before, I'm supposed to be wearing medical socks because of vascular issues in my legs, which has contributed to moderate swelling. There's a scale. They take a look at the quality of your veins and they look at the swelling and they determine if you are need a low tension, medium tension, or a high tension. And I was in between medium and high, and that was probably around five, 10 years ago. And that was the immunodermatologist. 
she gave me a prescription. I go to a medical store. I show her the prescription. And she, because the ones that you get at the drugstore over the counter are not, they are the low grade. On top of it, they have to fit properly because they are so constrictive. It could be like a tourniquet if it's at the wrong spot. Because I am under five foot due to my birth issues, Even 10, 12 years ago, they quoted me around $150 per pair, and they want you to have at least two at a time. And every three months, they want you to swap them out so that the, consist so that the pressure is consistent. Now add that along with like the dental issues. Add that with the fact that I wasn't being covered for anything because they didn't have a proper diagnosis yet and I'm getting infection after infection after infection and I'm not qualified for a fucking goddamn thing. This is how people eventually need to have family members pay for them if they can. And that is, again, the only reason why I'm still alive. That is the only reason why I have a house. That is the only reason I didn't wind up on the fucking street. And then we all know now, with my temperature changes, I would have died on the street probably within a week. And this is not a rare situation. When you get into the forums, you find out about the, and it's mostly women, having to stay in abusive relationships just to financially survive. Knowing their husbands are cheating on them, verbally abusive, having fucking siblings bitch about how much maybe a parent is helping them financially because they don't have the same issues. This is not a unique situation. And at the same time, I hope to Christ, you are never put in the same situation as me or other people. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. The embarrassment of being 40, 41 years old and still needing financial help from my parents, physical help from my parents, it's embarrassing. What the hell do I do? I don't know how long I've been talking for here already. And there's so much more to discuss. We're not even close. This is the tip of the iceberg. Systemic discrimination against persons who are sick is real. 
It is not a fiction of our imagination. It is not because we are um, depressed. It is because those systems have been created to keep us in that position so that we never get out. And I'll tell you, the day my parents pass away, I'm going to inherit quite a bit of money. And yet I've learned how to live with almost nothing. And instead of blowing it on fucking trips, I'm going to be putting that money towards helping people and going after the systems that failed to support me at the worst times of my life. The adults that should have helped me as a child. Because one thing I've learned from this whole experience of almost dying multiple times is that money means fuck all when you're looking at death within an hour. All you have are your memories and what you stood for. And if you thought you did a good job or not with what you had. And I already know I did the best that I could in the position I was put in. I can die with a clear conscience. The question is, can you? I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective. Thank you.